Your inner geek wants to come out and play, but where to go? Join Vernon Wells, the ultimate club where you and your fellow geeks can hang out, play games, and just nerd out 24-7. Whether you love RPGs, video games, or are just a major fan of sci-fi and geek culture, Vernon Wells has something for everyone. Let your geek flag fly at Vernon Wells. Sign up today and see for yourself. VNW.club. That's VNW.club. Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend Infuego. There's no one across from me because this is a special edition of the podcast. If people want to get a hold of us, they can do so by giving us an email, bjgeeknation at gmail.com, or you can find us on all of our social media, including our Twitter, or our Facebook, it's just simple. Instagram as well, bjgeeknation.com. And why do I call this a special edition of the podcast? Well, because it's just me. Everyone else is out on assignment, and uh, I actually thought this was a good time for us to speak with Gareth Von Kallenbach. He is down at E3, has been all week, and I wanted to get a hold of him. And uh, so we have some extra special time to talk about all of the games and a little bit of uh, the tech side. Not a whole lot on that end, as you'll see on this episode. But if you want to uh, you know, keep on giving us some feedback, like I said, shoot us an email, bjgeeknation.gmail.com, or follow us on all of our social media. You can like, comment, subscribe, do all that sort of fun stuff. Also, in addition, you can find us on radio.com, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. But also check out our YouTube page, because we're doing some new stuff with that. We're trying to uh, build back up from when Uncle Chris was doing the videos there. So, subscribe over there, and you can get some of the updates. Most recently, I just played the new mode for Fallout 76, the Battleground mode called Nuclear Winter. We talk about this in the podcast, but also check out the video, and you can see it for yourself. And now, without any further ado, Gareth Von Kallenbach. Gareth Von Kallenbach joins us for this special edition of the podcast, and uh, he is from Skewed and Reviewed, that is SKNR.net, and Gareth, you've just spent a couple of days down at E3, and we wanted to find out what you found out about, and one of the big things, first off, I wanted to touch on was even Microsoft said that they kind of wish that Sony would have been at E3. Was there, uh, was there presence, or their lack of presence, I should say, was that noticed? Yeah, it was, because I had people coming up to me, and uh, we have this time before the halls open where we kind of congregate in the press room, uh, watch live streams or whatever that's going on, and then plan out the day. And so you get to meet a lot of other people in the media, and naturally this subject came up. And I've had people tell me I was surprised they didn't do a presence, like, for example, certain companies have gone doing things off-site. They talked about how at Phoenix Fan Fusion there was a uh, PlayStation truck that had, you know, playable versions of some of the games. And they said nobody saw this. There were no banners, and it's all very quiet. Now, we always said it's because Sony's going to probably do a live stream, and we are, you know, speculating at this point, but we think the PlayStation experience is coming back in November or December. They took last year off, and we're pretty sure that's when we're going to get the big full-on reveal for the PlayStation 5. We're going to get all the details and all of that, but People said it was surprising that there just truly wasn't anything. And, like, where I noticed it the most is in there's a couple of main concourses. The 
the one where the big three are was really odd. There was no Microsoft booth, even though they had a presence there, but they didn't have their giant booth. The giant Sony booth and uh, meeting rooms were not there. And then it, it was just Nintendo. And you could tell outside of the Nintendo booth that hall wasn't getting the traffic. And I kind of felt bad for some of the smaller companies that, I mean, it was still busy, don't get me wrong. But, you know, you kind of wonder about some of these smaller companies. Did they book their space, um, you know, expecting Sony to be there and thinking, okay, with all the foot traffic, this is going to trickle down to us. And it didn't. So what they had to do, though, was people were getting more and more creative with what they did on the floor. And I think from a standpoint of, uh, you know, looking at it from just a consumer standpoint, I think it works because you had more interactive displays. You had a lot more photographic opportunities than I'd seen in years past where you could take photos with props and stuff like that. And I think people were very creative. We saw a lot of uh, dancers and, uh, you know, hype people up on stage. I know, for example, Lucid Sound, who do the uh, um, headphones, apparently had Snoop Dogg come up. And this was completely <laughs> out of the blue, but he went up. So you, you saw things like that. And that is what really got it going because the energy was actually incredibly high. I think once people got past the, oh, Sony's not here, Call of Duty's not here, then they looked around at what was here, a lot of which some of them were very clever about not hyping them up that this is going to be here, this is going to be here. And I had people saying, you know, wow, I thought this was going to be, you know, a less than stellar lineup, and this is actually one of the best E3s I've ever gone to. Nice. That is really awesome. So let's break down to the games uh, at this point. I know everyone's clamoring about Borderlands 3. Did they have a presence there, and what did you see from what was shown? Well, Borderlands 3 had a massive, and I mean, it was gigantic booth. <laughs> I mean, with gigantic statues, gigantic video screens, uh, you know, displays. They were giving out the Frico masks. They were giving out uh, the bags. And what happened is you got in, and we got to, we sat in one of the indoor theaters, and they showed us off uh, some basic things to it. Like, for example, they showed us this new class, which is basically a gunner, and they showed us how they have a mechanized, they call it the teddy, but it's basically a mech suit that they can pop in and out of. They showed us things in the skill tree, like you can hook them up with various weapons, and how you can uh, eventually get a perk, which is basically unlimited ammo, so you don't have to worry about trying to refill your guns in the middle of a battle. And then they talked about the spaceship and they talked about the, how you could go beyond Pandora to new planets. And they, one of them they showed us was Eden Six. And it was very interesting because they said, think of kind of Louisiana and the swamp with one of the weapons manufacturers here. And then they showed us some of the native wildlife, which looked like gigantic dinosaurs and some other things. Nice. And then, you know, that was it, and they had a uh, they had a bit of a power surge through the convention center. So we were told to sit there while everybody uh, <laughs> waits and while everything sets. And apparently, some people who were standing in line for Final Fantasy VII, I guess you had to have a ticket just to get in the line. I, they said that they started screaming the moment the power flickered. The screens went dark, <laughs> but it was all it was all minutes we were up and playing and. Um, what I noticed about it is I took on the new gun character, and I really enjoyed the mech, but it was interesting because I hooked it up with a railgun and a grenade launcher, and while it was doing a lot of damage, I noticed that sometimes they took more hits than had I popped out and just taken them out with a shotgun and stuff like that. So there is a bit of a curve because 
there is uh, destructible terrain. Like some guys tried to duck behind something. I took it out and dumped them with, uh, I guess it was toxic waste because they messed it down like crazy. Um, you can destroy the car. And then one of the great things about it was like a guy came at me and I popped him in the head and it just, head went flying and a fountain of gore went up under uh, after it. That was really satisfying. Yeah. And the best thing I could say was, it, you know, it was everything you'd want in a Borderlands 3 game. It was fast, it was smooth, it looked good. I made it all the way to the boss battle and was taking him down before our time ran out. Um, you know, you have all the guns, you have the team play, you have the great graphics, you have uh, even more weapons. They said there'll be over one billion weapons. This will probably be a very big interest to those who like. So now let's say I have a weapon that is coveted, but it's like, yeah, this isn't for me. I want a different weapon. I can put it in the vending machine, sell it to the vending machine. But now one of the other people in the party can come and buy it from the vending machine. Oh, nice. And I thought, I thought that's pretty cool because I was sitting there going, okay, why wouldn't you just do a direct trade with each other? But then I thought, okay, I could see some scenarios where that might have to happen. And so it's coming out in September. Um, really excited about that. I'm really curious to see uh, not just Pandora, but being able to go around the different planets. Uh, for those that still have Borderlands 2 installed, there's a free DLC coming soon that is actually going to help set up the story from the end of Borderlands 2 to Borderlands 3. And I think I think this is going to be a massive, massive hit. Nice. And this is one of those ones where Borderlands and Borderlands 2 were so much fun. Like until you wait until, you know, until the the fall when it does come out, you can actually go back and just play those for a little bit and get yourself ramped up for it. Exactly. And, you know, they have the Handsome Collection out now or the Elite Collection, yeah. which is really You can go get Borderlands 1, 2, the DLC, and Borderlands, the pre-sequel, and just write it through. So it's a great, you know, great time to be a Borderlands fan. That is awesome. Let's talk a little bit about Ghost Recon. They got some new stuff? Yes, yeah, so we have Ghost Recon, and uh, we got a brand new one. And what they're doing this time out is they are taking it to an interesting new place. What's happening now is that instead of being the elite team on the stealth and sneak attack offensive, you are actually the hunted. And... Mm. The people that you are going up against are actually even more, uh, well, they're as well-trained, if not better trained, than you are. And so the way it was explained to us is it's going to follow a lot of the concepts of uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands. So Breakpoint is going to basically have a um, scenario where uh, you go in on this mission, and of course you have the routine soldiers and obstacles to deal with that's fine but what happens is the other force that you're going up against has all the high-tech stuff they have the drones they have all the specialized weaponry and tactics so you actually have to for once not just having to worry about okay the other the enemy has numbers now they've got the numbers and the advanced tech and so one of the tricks they showed us is like you can lay down completely prone now and cover yourself in a camouflage. You could do things like there are different types of wounds you can get. Some you can cure with an injection, which is really quick. Others you have to bandage up, which takes more time. They showed us a scenario where they were carrying a wounded person, and uh, that slowed down the one person. He could only use a pistol, so the rest of us had to get formation around them. And there were, like, different classes 
uh, people. Uh, so it was a lot of fun. You know, you can like slide down the hills now. Uh, we didn't go into any of the vehicles and stuff like that, but we did some drone stuff like uh, when we hit a compound to sabot- uh, infiltrate, sabotage, and then retrieve someone. You could actually go up to the fences and use a torch to cut yourself an entryway. Um, <laughs> we could use we could use our drones to like tag various enemies, so the other guys in the team would know. Okay, here when we went to the sabotage mission, we were able to say, "All right, we're going this way. You're going that way. Let's meet up back here, take out the final objective, then we're all together." And so I, it was great because. It was all the best elements of the Ghost Recon series, but of course, while you can play it on your own, it is designed to be a four-person co-op. I know AI takes over, and as good as the AI is, it's no substitute for having someone at your side. So yeah. really looking forward to this one. It's interesting, though, when uh, it seems that there have been a lot of attempts at four-person co-ops that really haven't taken off. Is there is there like a, a, a secret sauce, a magic formula to get a four-player co-op to actually become popular with people? Well, I think the key to it is you got to have a good matchmaking system. The worst thing in the world is when you have to literally um, use people on your friends list to get them to come in the game. Yeah. And you start to see a little bit of this with the Division 2, where you can pull in your people from the friends list, but you could also before you go on missions, essentially say, hey, I'm doing this mission, I'm open, who wants to jump in? Mm. And to me, that's the key. Because there are times with, for the most part in Wildlands, I was always able to find somebody to do a mission with me. The hardest part was you have to be flexible because you may say, I've got these two story missions and then I'm done with the core campaign. You get in a group of people and they're like, well, we want to do this, this, and this. And you're like, oh, God, I've already done those missions. But usually yeah. uh, they're pretty agreeable to say, hey, you know, you help us out with this one, and then we'll swing on and do that one with you. And it all works out. And, you know, that's the key to me. It's always you got to have a good matchmaking system. Solid, solid on that. Uh, doing a little bit of a shift change on here. Was there a lot of tech showed up? I mean, you did mention uh, Snoop Dogg and the headphones and such. Was there a lot of tech at E3? Was there anything that stood out for you at that point? A lot of VR being pushed, but uh, mostly products for the current system. A lot of headphones. Uh, mm-hmm. We saw uh, stuff. One of the interesting things was Razer, the hardware company, has actually got a new, uh, I don't want to call it an energy drink because that would be misleading, <laughs> but it's designed to give you like, um, it's lower sugar, but it, it's designed to give you clarity and like focus. It's got like choline and stuff like that. So, they were showing that off, which was an interesting thing. Yeah. Um, and so basically it was just refinements. Like, for example, Turtle Beach showed some of the new head- headsets. They're merging with Brocat. Uh, and so they showed off some of the new mice. So it was a lot of stuff like that. There wasn't anything that I looked at and said, oh, my God, that's a game changer. Okay. But it was a case of, you know, oh, that's interesting. And that's, uh, you know, that's going to be clever down the road. I would generally say... For me, I think PAX will be when you're going to see a lot more of the hardware stuff. Like, for example, some of our video uh, card companies, I ran into them, and they were like, no, we're not really here at uh, exhibiting. We're here just to look around and see what's going on and stuff like that. But, for example, they were kind of talking about they were there because they have the video cards that do the ray tracing, and that's the new big thing. You're going to start to see more and more games coming. Uh, that have the ray tracing tech. So hardware-wise, eh, 
not so much, but it, it was really focused on the game timeout. That's good to know. Uh, going towards the family-friendly kind of side on this, Lego Star Wars, what news do you have for us on that? Okay, so Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker uh, series, is basically uh, a new Lego Star Wars game that features all nine of the core Skywalker films, including oh. Rise of Skywalker. Now, it's got a brand-new gaming engine that's got more uh, capabilities, and essentially you can go to any of the uh, movies. You don't have to do them in order. So if you want to jump from, like, Return of the Jedi to uh, The Last Jedi, uh, you can do that. Now, what they showed us was the Falcon flying in. It's got the humor. It's got several hundred characters. You landed on Tatooine, but instead of going to Moss Eisley, you went to Anchorhead. And he's wandering in the desert. It's very highly detailed. And he jumped from, like, C-3PO, who could go to Just Likes and leave his head behind, R2-D2, Chewbacca, Lando Calrissian in the skip guard mask, and then Luke Skywalker. And he showed us Luke, how, like, you can manipulate everything uh, with the Force. You could ride a Bantha. You could ride a land speeder. Now, they did play a little fast and loose with the geography, such as uh, <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi is very close to Jabba's Palace, which has the sail barge right outside the door, and uh, <laughs> the Sarlacc is right there, too. And you know... That's quite a distance. But they said, like, you can go to Hoth, you can go to Endor, you can go to Naboo, you can go wherever you want with these things, uh, provided that you're in the appropriate film for these scenarios. So I thought, all right, this is going to be a lot of fun for that. Definitely looks family friendly and uh, really curious to see what they come out with when it's all done. Yeah, those things are always fun, and I love the detail they put and the humor that they put in with the Lego games. I mean, yeah, sure, you're playing out the movies in the ridiculous fashion that you're doing it, but it, it is not without the humor that it, you know in Lego uh, in the Lego franchise. Correct. Uh, moving on from that, uh, tell me a little bit about Dying Light 2. Dying Light 2 was definitely one of the real uh, highlights of the show. So basically, set after the events of Dying Light 1, as you'd expect, and you play as a character who is infected himself. And the scenario that we saw was that somebody gets shot during a peace conference while they're trying to take on the water uh, to restore water to their community. And they show you how you could do things like you have a uh, branching skill tree in terms of dialogue. So, for example, you could choose to pursue the attackers or to stay with the guy. Uh, the scenario we saw, they pursued the person. And this was the parkour to the extreme, the wall walking, the swinging from buildings, the grappling hooks, all of this stuff, really fast, great pace. And if you encounter the infected in dark areas, you can use the UV light to temporarily blind them to get free. Cool. Now, when it got to the main area of uh, the storyline, they showed us again how you can make choices that will affect how the storyline comes out. But one of the things they showed us was that you can pick up enemy weapons now and use them against them. And it was a rifle of some sort. Uh, you know, obviously looked like it was crafted. Once he ran out of ammunition, the rifle then became a melee weapon and he could just sit there and bash people with it. <laughs> and so they went through the, you know, scenario. And then as it ended, they showed them uh, restoring water. But what it did was basically drained an area, revealed this kind of medieval city. And all of a sudden, a type of creature we had never seen before came up through the ground, and that was that. So essentially, in doing the right thing, you ended up potentially 
doing something much worse down the road. So looked fantastic. They didn't give us any gameplay, but they gave us an extended video, and it, it was really, really impressive. Nice. I love that. Now, here's a question for you, buddy. I mean, you've been gaming for longer than I have, which has been many, many decades. Did you really ever imagine that uh, titles such as Doom or Wolfenstein would be here 30, almost nearly 30 years later and then still coming out with uh, great content? No. That's the funny <laughs> thing about it. I, I, the reps at Bethesda, I said... You know, I'm going to date myself like this, but I remember playing the original Wolfenstein games yeah. on the old two computers when they were a top-down little <laughs> side-scrolling, and we thought it was like the greatest thing in the world because it had this, you know, it was pixelated, it had a little bit of speech, but my God, it was so much fun. And then here you are with these ultra-fast, high-end, you know, 3D-accelerated games, and it's still as captivating and, and, and enjoyable as it ever was. It's one of those things where you just, I mean, you look back and you think about it, and it's the, the the whole premise originally of these things were pretty basic, even when it came down to uh, when you got into the first-person shooter-type aspects of this, you know. Um, but there has been some 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 ways that they've been able to continue to put these out there. And what do the new fairs have for you at this point? Yeah, well, you know, the greatest thing I saw was with Youngbloods, they brought co-op back. Ah. And I thought this was great because the newer ones under Bethesda, they've gone away from multiplayer. And in this one, you play the twin daughters of BJ Blazkowicz. <laughs> and it was cool because I can tell you this, it was hard. I don't know if they had the difficulty setting way, way up on this. It was tough because the guy I was playing with, we played through the other Wolfenstein games and we were getting owned like crazy. And so we kept trying to do... You know, it's like every time we thought we cleared levels, new armored guys came up. So, you know, we're like shotguns, machine guns. I tried grabbing a stationary gun emplacement, taking down some of the big guys, and they were coming up. But it was everything you wanted. And then, of course, they're like were the brutal kills up close with the uh, knives and with everything. And that was that was great. I can't wait to see more. But the one that really, really surprised us was Cyberpilot. And uh, this is a VR game, Ooh. and what you do is you basically, as you configure, you put on your VR gear, and you sit inside one of the giant mechs, and you go on and take out the Nazis. So you have your, uh, you have your, you know, got, you have your rockets, you have your machine gun. Um, if you get into too much trouble, you just stick your left hand out and smack a uh, panic button, which puts up a shield. And then you could take your uh, trigger controller and you put it in a slot and that'll bring up repair droids. So they were like telling me, good idea to repair yourself before you go into each new section. And it was great. You know, I'm sitting there shooting up uh, foot soldiers. I'm shooting down uh, barricades and stuff like that. And I'm taking on the big mechs. And I'm all I'm thinking of is... This is going to be fantastic when it's uh, you know the full version comes out. Yeah, that sounds that sounds super exciting. And anything with VR seems to be fun. I like the fact that they're still putting out stuff, and it seems to be more than just a fad. That uh, stuff like uh, the Connect really kind of ended up really being at the end of it. And I I don't know. Do you think that it's going to be a VR or more of an AR type thing that people are really going to kind of glom onto at this point? I think so, because here's one of the big advantages. Right now, the PlayStation VR has become the top VR platform in the world. Mm -hmm. And it's already leaked out that Sony has said the PlayStation 5 is going to continue the VR 
Nice. They are going to let your current VR system work with the PS5. And, of course, we've also heard that there'll be a next-generation setup coming. We heard that one of the things that they're working on is eye tracking. So you don't have to move your head so much. Is that where your eyes go, the reticule will go, and that, that'll be there. And, it, you know, we saw VR was definitely being pushed. I don't think it's going away. I think it's a case of people are starting to find out how they can really take advantage of the hardware, and they're designing games that are for it rather than sit in a chair, turn left, turn right, shoot anything that comes at you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you did manage, um, uh, mention Bethesda. And so right now, uh, last year, the Fallout 76 came out. And while I was very excited, and actually people were super, super stoked on it, it really failed in many, many aspects. And that's one of the problems of turning into a, uh, a multiplayer online game, uh, not so much massively, but more along the lines of a GTA online or like a uh, Red Dead Redemption online. And this, they have been spending the last six to eight months so far really trying to turn it around. And so much even that they're getting a lot of the fans that were very angry about what it was going on to change their opinions about this. What did you see? What did they offer at E3? Well, they had some great stuff. You know, we got a, a new update coming, and one of the great things about it is we were waiting for our appointment to play Doom Eternal, and we went by, and we were just taking photos. We had no idea they were going to actually be, you know, hey, sit down and play it. And uh, they had the uh, Nuclear Winter update. Yes. For, uh, and it was, it's basically, it's, well, it's not basically, it's Battle Royale Fallout 76, and you know, for me, I'm kind of mixed on Battle Royale simply because my style of play, one and done, doesn't work. I don't like sneaking around, <laughs> shooting people with scope. I like to get up and mix it up. Yeah. But I gave it a shot. Now, you obviously don't fly into the location. You pick your starting point. You go from there. You all start off in the bunkers where you can run around and smack each other. And I was assigned a girl wearing a red dress. And I'm thinking, oh, God, this is going to be a nightmare. I'm going to stand out like a sore thumb. <laughs> uh, I was paired with another person. And thankfully, it was the guy that we were doing coverage with. We got in there, and I was able to get a pipe pistol. And lo and behold, I eventually found a guy wearing a bright purple jacket who stood out even more than me. So <laughs> I got the drop on him. I came up behind him, and I'm like, this is going to really work out. And then you realize the balance stuff. Like, I put seven rounds in him, and he was still kicking. And so the eighth round took him down, but not before he finally got a single shotgun uh, blast off and took me down with him. Oh. So my buddy, my buddy had the option to try to revive me, but he was too far away and he didn't get to me in time. But I looked at it and I said, you know, this is something I would want to come back to and revisit because it was definitely a lot of fun. And I'm definitely looking forward to seeing the, um, you know, standard core story modes being expanded with what's coming out. Yeah, and that's one of those big things, too, because as E3 came out, Bethesda actually put out uh, the Nuclear Winter on a sneak peek for this week, and they've done a free trial for Fallout 76, so there's a lot of noobs running around there, which is really fun. Um, I actually had a chance to play a little bit of it, and I think it goes through this weekend, so if you, if you guys are listening right now, you have a chance to play Fallout 76. I tried the Nuclear Winter uh, aspect, and I only played one round. I'm 
trying to get it figured out so maybe I can twitch a little bit of it and get a little bit of a a, a view on that and maybe put it up on the YouTube page if I can figure out the damn thing. Um, but it was a lot of fun, and if you know the Fallout system, it's not that hard. I was able to actually kill a couple of people before we uh, we got the Ring of Fire, brought us all in, and I got completely wasted. But it seems like a lot of fun. It gets you that Fallout experience in a, in a short amount of time without having to sink in uh, a huge amount of play into it. And like you said, I'm very stoked on the uh, the the more of the story that they're pushing out there. Uh, a lot of people are like, we've already beat the game. We need more stuff. And that's kind of those problems that you'll have with MMOs and such. But they're really doing a oh, lot of good stuff with this. Yeah, they always are adding new stuff. And I think they're definitely doing the right thing. Uh, you know, the platform's stable. They're continuing to add new content. And they're listening to what people are saying they want. And it's just going to vote well for Fallout. 76 going forward. I absolutely agree. Now, uh, this again, Gareth von Kallenbach spent all week at E3 checking out all of the fun stuff. And at this point now, we've got only enough time for one more, one more little tidbit, one more thing. What was the one of those few things that we haven't brought up that really did impress you? Doom Eternal. <laughs> without, without a doubt, it was an absolute delight. Uh, you know, we talked about going back and playing Wolfenstein back in the day. I also remember my 3.5-inch shareware version of Doom. It was the first game that I, my first game that I ever played online in the... If, if people forget, the days before the internet, when you had to do a direct modem call to the person you were playing with. Yeah, right. Um, we went through a tutorial, and there are things like wall walking and all of that, but once you got down to the action, it was intense, it was brutal. You can... You know, you know the weapons, so there's no surprise there. You can super punch them. You can cleave them. I mean, literally, in in sections. You have a button on your um, suit that will bring up a flamethrower where you can douse them down. And I can tell you, after a guy has kicked your butt multiple times, dousing them with flame and then <laughs> going in and them in a half is brilliant. Uh, you know, and I was getting smacked down again and again and again. And I finally made it to this uh, stage of the demo. To give you an idea, they have these extra life things that you can get, where if you die, you just pick up and continue on from there. And we were still getting, we were all sitting there going, my God, I can't get past this one thing. And finally, I got through it. They're like, oh, that's cool. Let's just say you go into a gigantic BFG gun, and I don't mean one that you carry. I mean a big stationary planet-sized one. <laughs> you kick out the ammunition, and you make yourself the ammunition and fire yourself into a, a <laughs> enemy car. And that's where my demo ended. And all I could think of is this is fast. It is aggressive. It is hard. It is extremely brutal and graphic. And, you know, the stuff you could do to the bad guys, like, ripping pieces of them out, shove them into their mouths, and then, you know, taking them out that way. And all I can think of is I cannot wait to play more of this because that's amazing. Plus, it's going to have multiplayer, so you're like, right there, here we go. I love it, Gareth. I mean, seriously, if the purge ever occurs uh, in real life, I think I'm going to need you on my side at this point, just the way that you kind of talk yep. about all of these things. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yep. Garrett, 
Thank you so much. Again, Gareth Von Kallenbach from Skewed and Review. That is SKNR.net. We have only scratched the surface of what you were able to see there. So absolutely go check out the website. I know I saw all the photos of all the photo ops that you had on the Facebook page, all of those things. Also, you can find you on Twitter. That's just, uh, what's your Twitter address again, buddy? SKNR Gareth. Awesome. Thank you so much, Gareth. Anytime. I am super stoked for what I saw at E3, and you know what? You can get more information at Skewed and Review. That is SKNR.net. One of my most favorite games that we didn't even have a chance to talk about, Cyberpunk 2077. Ow, oh, Keanu! I cannot wait for this. If you've got other games or stuff that you saw at E3 that got you stoked, we didn't even talk about Nintendo. There's so many things out there. But you can find out more information. But let us know which ones you're excited for. Shoot us an email, bjgeeknation at gmail.com. Or you can also just click on our social media tabs. We're updating stuff constantly. And go to our YouTube page. Subscribe. We're going to be doing more stuff there, doing some feedback. We want to get yours as well. And guys, thanks for listening. And until next time... Stay nerdy! Your inner geek wants to come out and play, but where to go? Join Vernon Wells, the ultimate club where you and your fellow geeks can hang out, play games, and just nerd out 24-7. Whether you love RPGs, video games, or are just a major fan of sci-fi and geek culture, Vernon Wells has something for everyone. Let your geek flag fly at Vernon Wells. Sign up today and see for yourself. VNW.club. That's VNW.club.